Welcome to the Faith Amplified Podcast, hosted by Stacey Kamik. Ready? Let's get into it. Alright, welcome back ladies to the show. This is your girl Stacy Camille and I'm hoping that you are having a wonderful day so far. Hoping that you had a wonderful weekend, all the fun, all the rest that you need and you are ready to take this day, this week by storm. Well, in today's episode, we're going to be talking about failures. Ooh, womp, 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 womp. That's okay. We're going to put a positive spin on it because we are going to forget about those failures, Christians, all of my servants of God. We're going to forget about it because we are going to look at the bigger picture. Remember, understanding Understanding that setbacks are oftentimes setups for greater things in God's plan. Doesn't that sound positive? Mm, it sure does. All right, let's get into it. Okay, so first let's define what is failure according to the worldly definition and according to God's definition. Because if you really think about it, It's like two different things. It really, really is. When you look at all of the people in the Bible, I mean, we kind of put them on a pedestal. But if you really look at these folks, I mean, they made a lot of mistakes, a lot of mistakes. Some of them were like outright disobedient to God's word and he had to bring them back in, you know, and put them back on the right path. And some of them just kind of fumbled their way into obedience, into the will of God. And some God to had God had to just like totally clean them up, clean them up. I'm going to clean you up and I'm going to put you in the right path. No one started off perfectly. No one continued in uh, in a perfect way and no one ended uh, perfectly, but they ended successfully except for Jesus. He was always perfect, of course. Right. So God's definition of failure is disobedience. Say that again. God's definition of failure is disobedience. Well, at least according to the Bible, any time that God tells us to do something and we uh, are disobedient, meaning we ignore him or we say we cannot do it, whether it's because of we're just being stubborn, we're outright saying, I can't do this, God, because I have these other priorities, or I'm saying I can't do it because I don't think I have the ability to do it. And I don't believe that you are strong enough, wise enough, powerful enough, or that your plan is perfect enough for it to be successful. Therefore, I am not going to participate in what it is that you're asking me to do. So that is like, you know, total disobedience. When God asks us to do something, because he's all knowing, he knows that we have the ability to do it. Now, I'm human. You're human. We have this natural fear of failure, but I'm going to tell you how to get over that. The way you get over that natural fear of failure is to actually do something because some of our fears, if not most of them come from this preconceived notion of what could be, what could go wrong? What if? And then we base our responses or our reactions on that preconceived thing that has never happened. So to get over something, to get over fear is to just actually do it and keep doing it until we're confident in what we are doing. So 
That's God's definition. I believe. I believe. You know what I mean? I I I just I just know that there is no way that he is going to put things in our path or ask us to do something or uh, just put us in these situations, create these situations, knowing that we're not going to be successful because his name is on that. His name is on that. So if we fail, it's kind of like, well, others are going to be looking at our God like, well, why would you worship a God that's going to set you up to fail? That doesn't make any sense. And I have never read, seen, or heard of God operating that way. So that is it. We can mess up. There is room to mess up. There's room to fall. There's room to make mistakes because we're human. But I believe the actual failure in God's eyes is outright. I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to try. I am not going to have faith in the abilities, skills, talents that God has given me. I am not going to have faith in his promises. I'm not going to have faith in his word. That is failure. Now, the world has a different definition of failure, which is you mess up, you fail. Any misstep that you take, you fail. And what they'll do is they'll make that turn that into your identity. Your mistakes are now who you are. And it's all it's going to be that's what you're going to be forever. You know, they tend not to let those things go. So it's in the record. It's in the book. You made this mistake, this mistake, this mistake. And I'm going to keep reminding you of those mistakes that you made. And I am going to put you in a box based on those mistakes. That's how the world treats us. That's how we treat each other, to be real. If you want to be real, that's how we treat each other, especially in the last place that you would think. And that's the church. There's a lot of people in church circles that love to play God and put you in a box based off of your past mistakes. There are few people in church that are genuine and loving and kind that will forgive you the way God forgives you. Now, there everybody should be like that. Everybody should be like that. But, you know, there's just a few people that tend to want to make themselves feel better by putting other people down. So my righteousness is based off of your lack of, right? My success is based off your the level of your failure. I feel great about myself because I can look down on you because of the mistakes that you made. And that's why there's a lot of hemorrhaging in church. That's why there's a lot of people, they come through the front door and they go out the back door. But that's a whole nother story. But we got to move from, I say that because we got to move from that world Worldly way of thinking, that definition to the godly way of thinking. Despite our mistakes, we're able to get back up and keep going and moving forward. So the concept of failure in the Bible, look at this. Look at Peter, right? Peter denied Christ three times. Now, this is after he had that interaction with Jesus when he said, on this revelation that you've had, Peter, I will build my church. On this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Like he had that awesome declaration of who Jesus Christ really is. And then, and then when Jesus is like persecuted and about to be executed, he's like, I don't even know that guy. 
But God knew that that was going to happen. You see how that works? God knew that that failure was going to come and he still appointed Peter. He still had Peter in his circle. He still did that. Now look at Judas. Man, that is the ultimate betrayal, isn't it? I'm walking with you. I'm talking with you. I'm getting to know you. I'm getting all this revelation. I'm seeing all these miracles and I still betray you for money. That is the ultimate level of greed, right? And if you really read the Bible, he was stealing from the purse as well. So you're the accountant and you're skimming off the books. You're skimming from God. That's crazy. But God still had him in the circle. God still washed his feet. Uh, when they had the Last Supper, he still did all of that. Now, that kind of treatment of others, I know is beyond some of us, but hey, God saw that he had a purpose and he used it. He, he, he used him. He continued to use him. Now, look at Paul's persecution of the Christians. He wrote most of the New Testament, all these lessons that we're learning about how to be disciples and Christians and how to share and how to have grace and the fruit of the spirit and the gifts of the spirit and just all of this uh, knowledge and, and, and inspiration that we're getting from this man. Remember, he started off killing God's people. That's that. He was a murderer, folks. He was a murderer. Now, God still used that. God still use that because he used what he put in Paul from the beginning, right? Paul's name was Saul, but he still had what God put in him, which was the knowledge of Christ, that, that, that zeal for God's people and his word, right? Because if you uh, study his life, he was educated uh, in, in Jewish law. He was very educated in Jewish law and he was passionate about making sure that all Jews followed that and God used that. And then he placed in him the knowledge, the revelation of Jesus Christ. So you put that knowledge together with the revelation and boom, an explosion missionary all over the place, built opening up uh, doors for churches to be built, um, uh, uh, traveling all over, preaching the word of God, performing miracles himself, right? Paul, Paul, the murderer, you understand what I'm saying? And David, my goodness, all the mistakes. If y'all know, David had all the mistakes in his pocket and he was even uh, born Probably his family thought he was born a mistake. If you look at the way he was treated by his father and his brothers when Samuel came to uh, anoint him to find the next king. You understand what I'm saying? So he was rejected by his family from the beginning and God elevated him, elevated him and made him king. So God can use anybody. God will use anybody. And if anybody comes around you, before I move on to the next point, if anybody comes around you and says to you, you know what, mm, I don't think you could do this because, you know, you kind of failed at this before. You're not very good at this. And anybody that comes to you with that whole critical thing, like, oh, you messed up and you can't do it again, or you hear people talking about you, that's that's coming from Satan. And I'm going to be bold and say that because Satan is the accuser of the saints. He's the one that's going around trying to put your past in front of you all the 
the time trying to present your past in front of God so that he can judge you in a certain way. So reject those thoughts, reject those words, reject all of that and follow what God says about you. No matter what, what God wants you to do is to be obedient to him and to walk in step with his will and in step with what he wants you to do because his plans for you, for you to prosper. That's it. That's it. Now let's look at a couple of scriptures here. So we have Romans 8, 28, James 1, 2 to 4, and Proverbs 24 and 16. So Romans 8, 28 says all things work together for good. That's the good and the bad, the good and the bad, the hurt, the pain, the scars, the, the, the success, the failures, the healing, the relationships that were broken, the ones that were successful, all of it mixed together is to work, is going to work out for your good, right? In James, the testing of faith produces perseverance. You're going to be tested. Your faith is going to be tested. And guess what? You may not pass. You may not. I didn't pass. There are many times when I made a lot of mistakes um, dealing with anger, dealing with rejection, projecting that onto others, saying things that I shouldn't have said, doing things that I shouldn't have done, treated people in a certain way that I should not have just based off of hurt coming from a hurt place, right? Hurt people do hurt other people, right? There was times my faith was tested and I just did not pass, but I had to learn and it produced perseverance because I determined in myself that I was going to keep going. Nobody was going to stop me from worshiping God, from serving God, from believing in God. And I always had this thing, whether I was in a relationship and it was broken or, um, I was in the church or in ministry and it just didn't work out or something happened at work and it kind of like, you know, just didn't work out or it, 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 it messed up or it fell through. I always had this thing that, that I was going to have hope. As long as I was alive, as long as I was going to, God allowed me to wake up the following day, the next day, I was going to have hope in something better. And I still have that. Now, some days I have more hope than other days, but I always said that I was going to have hope in God. And that's kind of what kept me going. So even when I fail God, I said, you know what? God allowed me to wake up this morning. He's given me another chance to try again. So I'm going to try again. There are days when I wake up and I'm like, oh, man, I don't want to talk to God because I'm embarrassed about what I did. But I eventually get over myself, you know. Pull, pull myself together, get out, out of my pity party. And I get on my knees and I talk to God about it. And we work this thing out because we're in a relationship. We work it out together. We talk it out together. Just like I talk things out with my sister. If we have a fight, I talk things out with my mom. When we have a fight, I talk things out with my husband. When we have a fight, I talk it out with God. I talk it out with God. Now, uh, Proverbs 24, 16, the righteous may fall, but they rise again. So this is not this is not saying that the righteous will never fall. This is not saying that the evil will fall and rise again. This is not saying the common man will fall and not rise again. This is say the righteous, the righteous, you and I, woman of God, we may fall. But we have to rise again. That is in us. When we're down, we get up, we brush ourselves off, we clean ourselves up. We ask God to clean it up and we keep on going. So what is the big picture? What is the big picture? Failures, mistakes, challenges are often crucial ingredients in our growth. 
Sometimes God will allow us to do certain things so that we can see where we need to self-correct and get ourselves back in line so that we, when the door of opportunity opens, we are ready. We think we're ready for a lot of things. Some of us ladies, we think we're ready for marriage. And then when you get in that thing with that man, it's like, oh, wait a minute. This is not what I signed up for. Okay. These arguments are not it. This guy's getting on my nerves. And guess what? You might've rushed into that thing. You thought you were ready because what you thought you were getting into is a, a, a relationship where it's all going to be cotton candy and flowers and, and romance and all of that for the rest of your life. And you didn't realize that this thing took eff- takes effort. That's what you didn't think about. You didn't think that there were going to be times where you might actually feel lonely. There may be arguments. Um, you took that promotion on your job thinking it's just going, everybody's going to listen to you. There's going to be a lot of money. Um, it's going to be worth it. Uh, all my problems that I have now are going to go away. Didn't realize that with all that money came all those problems. So sometimes God puts us in uh, testing situations now to kind of let us see maybe you need to self-correct with this uh, attitude that you have. Maybe you're not ready to be a leader of others. Uh, you might want to take some trainings in this area. You might need some counseling, some therapy in this area so that you can heal. So when I do open the door, you will be successful and you won't fail. Okay. And that is the big picture. That is the big picture. Uh, we need to shift our perspective. Sometimes we need to see things the way God sees. We need to see ourselves the way God sees us. We need to see others the way God sees them so that we can see the true picture. Uh, A lot of times we have opinions and, and thoughts about other people based on what we heard about them or based on one moment in time where they may not have been their best selves and we just judge their entire character based off of that one moment in time. And that is not really the best way to build relationships, to make disciples, um, none of it, none of it. So we need to ask God to shift our perspective, especially when it comes to us and making uh, mistakes. When we see the big picture and we ask God, Lord God, can you help me to understand what it is that you have for me? Trust me, you're going to have inner peace. Inner peace is going to be cultivated. Reduce anxiety over your mistakes. You'll be able to say, man, I messed up in that area, but I am going to try again. And even if it's a devastating mistake, you'll still be able to bounce back. There are some people that literally make devastating mistakes and they end their lives over it. Why? Because they don't have that hope. But you have a hope in God. And lastly, it will enhance your trust in God's plan and his timing. You'll be less antsy. Okay, you'll be less antsy about open doors, opportunities, um, your own growth, your own personal growth, uh, because you'll have that relationship with God and he'll be talking to you every step of the way as you're going through what it is that you're going through. Sometimes he'll let you see the big picture. Sometimes he won't. But 
either way, you will have that deep, honest trust that everything is going to work out. There are a lot of things that happen to me and um, even things that happen to people around me. And I just don't budge. Like, I'm like, okay, I, I get it. I hear you. I understand you're in trouble. But for some reason, I am confident that the whole thing will just work out so I don't shift. And then there are other things where I'm just nervous, like, oh, my goodness, I, I can't deal with this. And God has to calm me down. I have to reset. Sometimes we got to do that. We have to reset and refocus our attentions back on uh, seeing things the way God uh, sees them. Okay. The big picture, ladies, the big picture. Now, here are some practical steps because you know, I always want to leave you with practical steps on kind of getting yourself in that uh, calm, peaceful state, that place where you are confident. So, practicing prayer during challenging times and non challenging times. And when I say prayer, I don't mean getting on your knees and just talking, 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 talking. Sometimes you might have to sit down in silence, say, like, make your petitions known to God and then sit in silence, wait and be intentional about it because you don't want your mind to wander. So whether it's saying something over and over again, like, you know, Lord, you're great. You're mighty in your mind, but not necessarily verbalizing that, but just to keep your mind focused on him until you get used to sitting in silence and not saying anything. It's a good way to get your mind in a peaceful state. You're meditating on God. Okay. Uh, journaling, please mind dump. I am in a space right now where getting down on my knees and I'm being transparent with y'all getting down on my knees and praying is difficult for me because my mind goes into all kind of different places. It's, it's hard for me to focus. So I talked to God, I was like, you know, God, I'm, I'm struggling with communicating with you because I just can't get my mind to focus on a, a few things. My mind is just all over the place. And he said to me, you know what? I want you to do, I want you to write your prayers down and then say them. And I did that. And I mean, they just came out so beautifully. I was like, oh my Lord, I can pray better by writing than by speaking. I could communicate better. And I was like, you know, is this okay? Because we're used to just speaking to each other. And he was like, it's okay. Writing is a form of communication as well, as long as we're still talking. And I'm like, we, we have that relationship, right? So that was really, really cool. So now I'm journaling, I'm brain dumping, I'm writing down um, the things that I want to talk to him about. I'm even writing down my failures. Write those things down and, and ask God to help you overcome those, uh, heal from them. And what are your next steps to move on? And also, you know, partner with a sister or a really, really good friend, or if you have a mentor, which is really cool, you know, talk to your mentor about those things. Don't think that uh, people are not wanting to hear you. Now, don't dump your whole life problems on people, because remember, everybody's human. They may have their stuff too, but there's nothing wrong with asking for a little prayer, a little support from uh, your brothers and sisters, or somebody that's trusted that you can under, uh, that will understand you, all right? So remember, God understands, 
that you will fail, that you have failed, that you may be failing right now, but you're still alive. And every day that you wake up, you have another chance to talk to him about it. And I, 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 I encourage you, please don't be silent. Don't hold that thing in and allow it to fester into something else. Because when we hold our failures in and we don't talk to God about it or someone about it, it festers into fear, bitterness, unforgiveness, um, insecurities, hurts. It just, it just festers into all types of things. And it opens up the door for the enemy to enter your mind and start messing with you. And you really, really, really don't want to go there. You want to keep moving forward. You don't want to be stagnant and you don't want to move backward. Okay. So see the big picture, chase after the big picture and you'll be blessed. All right, ladies, I hope this was helpful to you. Go on ahead and talk to God about it tonight. If you have to, Write down in your journal if you have to do some reflecting. Get that stuff out of your mind, out of your heart. Dump it out. If you got to cry it out, cry it out. And uh, if you have any successful stories of places where you've been, where you've kind of gotten over your failures, um, let me know. I would love to hear how you got over. I would love to hear your testimony. All right. Bless you. See you next episode.